almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 17 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. And we had a very good week with some very spicy games. Some spicy sports stories. And I think it is only fair that we jump right into it with uh, something very close and dear and important to you, something that you cherish a lot and treasure. And okay, I'm just gonna stop. Take it away. That was beautiful. The spiciest story of the weekend, Manchester is red. That's right. Manchester United won 2-0 in the Manchester Derby, ending City's 28 game unbeaten streak. It was a tactical masterclass by Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. I mean, Pep Guardiola didn't see this coming. He did not see this coming, and he had no way to stop it. He had no way to stop that red wall. It was absolutely amazing. It was beautiful. Uh, Luke Shaw, my man of the match, he played out of his mind. He was playing like a number nine at times, or even like a number 10, just dribbling all the way up through the midfield and then into the box. What is he doing from a left back? But you know what? I'm having it. He scored a magnificent, not a solo goal, but almost a solo goal. Uh, Dean Henderson threw it to him on the left wing he got it from behind half drove up into the box laid it off to Rashford who played it back to him for a nice and tidy finish and uh Anthony Martial I know he's been in the headlines recently not uh with a lot of people saying that he's not been playing that great as of late this was this game he really turned it up he had a few opportunities to score he didn't but all the stuff that he did um you know just getting on the ball he was silky smooth um, with a lot of his touches, opening up space for players. I think he played fantastic. And Dean Henderson, in my belief, is solidifying his spot as Manchester United's starting goaltender. I mean, David De Gea is out right now because of the uh, the birth of his daughter, which is completely understandable. But when you compare their recent forms, I like Dean Henderson as of right now. Uh, so yeah, Luke Shaw and Dean Henderson, two Englishmen who are really performing well for United, and I'm kind of hoping that Gareth Southgate picks both of them for the Euro squad, and I think Luke Shaw should easily be the starting left back. Dean Henderson uh, can give Jordan Pickford a run for his money, I think. But most importantly, the title race is back on, baby. Only nine points between us. Let's go! Uh, yeah, so about that, uh, still nine points. But, yeah, no, it is... In a way, it is on because if they had like, if City had won this, it's 15 points. Like, there's no like at this point, there's no turning back. It's still obviously very hard, but you know it is not beyond the realm of possibility for this to to get a little bit spicier. No, it's only three games. To be fair, I think I mean for me the biggest story not only is it that you know that winning streak as you said it's a 28 game like unbeaten streak but it is a 20 game like win streak which is snapped and that means they're not catching up to Bayern's 23 or some and also somebody else had like 21 or 22 so there's no uh conversation still still can't get those records well no matter how much money you put into this well cities was 25 wins and three draws yeah no i'm just saying win streak Okay. Like completely just winning. Okay, gotcha. That's the one. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing with Dean Henderson. Obviously, I like have an eye for those things. Not uh, trying to gas myself up. I'm just saying, as a goalkeeper, you look at those things. And the thing with the has, he's been inconsistent. 
He's not a bad goalie, but since 2018, he's off. Yeah. Like, he makes mistake after mistake after mistake. And I was actually watching um, an interview, well, not sort of an interview, with uh, Rob Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was on Sky Sports. They were talking about his mistake in the World Cup. Oh, and he's God. Like, Don't even remind me. But what he said is, as a goalie at that level, you get, like, one or two mistakes per season. And, like, your job is to make sure that there's, like, six months between each mistake so you're completely fine. And the hell hasn't been doing that. It's a mistake, then another mistake, then another mistake. And even if you don't concede from those mistakes, like, it weighs down on your confidence. So I think even if just giving Dean Henderson a few, like, more games might just spark the heads. Like, and I think we talked about this, like, the other... Uh, another episode when we were talking about the hand Allison's mistakes, it might help to, you know, inspire him. And if it doesn't inspire him, well, you got a really good goalie there. Yeah. So I think for United, it doesn't look that bad in terms of the goalkeeper position as long as you do, like, as Ollie does the smart thing. Yeah. And I mean, because obviously you can just put the hand in and then just, you know, you're like, oh, sell Dean Henderson, let's buy Kepa, maybe. No, <laughs> no. I'm not. just saying worst case scenario. <clears throat> but yeah, so great game, exciting. Now let's go to another great game. So exciting. Uh, still north of England, we just go a little bit uh, further west to the fortress that is Anfield. My dear lord, um, <laughs> I have been making that joke for a while now, and. It was bad, you know, it was like, it was funny, but at this point, it's not even funny, it's just sad. Like, as somebody who's watched, like, their hometown club crumble under pressure, we're talking about Cruz Azul here, just seeing this makes me feel good about it. Like, (laughs) at least we made it to a final, at least we did something before we crumbled. Liverpool, Liverpool were... Title contenders at the start of the season. By Christmas, they were still top of the table. Right now, they're closer to getting relegated than they are to even making Champions League. Oh, actually, no, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, so... Like, points-wise, yeah. Yeah, 18th... <laughs> Fulham is in 18th place. We're talking about a team that a few years ago, Andrew Shirley, at his most washed-up point, <laughs> couldn't even make, like, the starting 11 at the Which end. Which is honestly so sad. It is very sad, and yeah, they've they've just won one out of the last five games, just one, and that wasn't even that convincing because they beat who was it? Was it Sheffield? Yeah, ooh, pretty sure. Yeah, I think was, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, beating Sheffield is not really the biggest accomplishment like you should have, and. Take into account that they're facing Leipzig next game, and you might... Like, yeah, Sheffield. Yeah, it was Sheffield. You might point out, you know, we they beat Leipzig last time. Let's be honest. Leipzig beat themselves. They gave them the ball, like, for both goals. So, if I'm Liverpool, I'm worried at this point. Like, I know we also talked about when Jurgen Klopp was, like, kind of criticizing the, the journalists for saying, like, oh, the focus is, like, top four. He's, like, obviously it's top four. Well, your focus ain't looking that great, because, no. I mean, you got to figure something out. Yeah, and this just solidified, it is the worst title defense, I think, in any league in history. <laughs> yes. It's pretty It's pretty bad. I, I actually will say, no, 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 no. Uh, in Mexico, Monterrey won, like, won it, 
and then went a whole year without winning a single game. Oh, I wish that happened to Liverpool. But to be fair, we got canceled halfway through because of COVID. Okay, so it doesn't count. It does count. They might have had a win up their sleeve, okay? All right, one of the worst. Definitely the worst. In Europe. In Europe. Or at least the top five because we don't know what the rest of the leagues look like. Yes, yes. And we don't, as much as we like to say we're well-versed in the Czech League, uh, we're really not. As much as we are well-versed in Czech League, we're not as well-versed in, like, uh, you know, Estonia, Belarus. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we, yeah, we are, we know the Czech League. Yes. Like the back of our hand, so. Um, Speaking of the Czech League. <laughs> so, <laughs> God. Uh, so, speaking of the Czech League, let's check out Gareth Bale right now. <laughs> so, is he back to his best? Yes, 100%. Six goals in his last six games. Let's see, Tottenham played Crystal Palace this weekend. Who else had a brace besides Gareth Bale? I mean, Harry Kane did, but Gareth Bale had a brace is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, six goals in his last six games. The man has just been on fire. It, it's great to see him back, um, you know, playing to his potential. He had a rough, a very rough return to the club, I'm not going to lie. And Jose Mourinho came out this weekend and said that he's finally recovered from the psychological scars of injuries, uh, which I can completely understand. I've never really had a injury that's kept me out of multiple games, so I don't exactly, um, I, I, I don't exactly know exactly where he's coming from. But at the same time, I could only imagine how difficult that is, and to be back in shape, and to be playing for a club um, of that stature and performing very well back in the Premier League. Um, it, it must feel so good for him. Yeah, and I mean, I can speak a little bit. I mean, obviously, I haven't had any injury that is too long-lasting, but even, like, ligament in- injuries, like a fractured finger, stuff like that, it takes you a while to, like, actually feel comfortable. So it is good to see that. When you first told me, like, they said, like, psychological scars, I was kind of confused what kind of psychological scars you can get at a golf course. But, <laughs> I mean, it is good to see him back. It was... You know, it was a sad few years when he was at Real Madrid just sitting on the bench, not really caring, uh, using his uh, mask as a, like, to cover his eyes, <laughs> using the little piece of paper they gave him, or whatever it was, as a uh, binoculars. That's my favorite. So, yeah, honestly, that is the best thing. That's why we, do we still have it? Honestly, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is our, um, is our cover picture on Twitter and on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, so, yeah, it is, it is very good to see him. And you know him and Carrie Hayne doing great together. Carrie Hayne. <laughs> Carrie Hayne is real, guys. Be scared. Be very scared. <laughs> but yeah, it is incredible to see him. Obviously, as uh, somebody who prefers Arsenal to that white thing that is uh, used by Tottenham supporters, it is not the you know the nicest thing to see. But it is as somebody who appreciates Gareth Bale. And what he has done for football in like the past few years before he just went downhill, it is very nice to see. But now, something nicer to see. <laughs> we started with a big game. Let's go a little bit south to Germany. Was it? Yeah, it is. It wasn't Munich. <laughs> I was trying to remember. Okay, the classicer Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund. What a game that was. I know and. This was even more important of a game here in America because it was actually televised on ABC. 
So, like, this is a channel that football, basketball is streamed on all the time. But to have a actual, like, football match and have it be Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund just made it all the better. Yeah, and, I mean, and what a game they had to play. Because it's very easy, you know. You know, we were talking, you just said, like, this is where they put all it. Like, it's a very big platform. Let me take you back to one place where they decided to, like, televise a game in a very big, big platform. 2010, North Korea. It was North Korea against uh, Portugal. They lost 2-1 against Brazil. They were like, we can actually do this. And they decided <laughs> to televise it, and they got just whacked 7-0. to zero. So, you know, you could be worried that this was going to be the same case. But, no, uh, Erling Haaland just off, like, right off the bat, two goals in the first nine minutes. That was... I mean, obviously, I love Holland. He is one of my favorite players. I love him. Just everything that he like, he is, it's just beautiful. I agree. Regardless, obviously, I didn't want to see him do that well. Yeah. But two goals. One takes a little deflection off of uh, Jerome Boateng. The other one's just uh, a little bit of a mistake by Byron defense, and yeah. then like Holland just pounces on it. But you know, whatever Holland can do, Lewandowski can do better. Scores twice before the half. There's one pe- like one tap in, one penalty, and like the first I call it a tap in, but it's an incredible play by Leroy Sané. Just leaves the defender trailing, yeah. across the ball, puts it in the back of net. Then an obvious foul. It was a very lazy foul by Dahoud, and then uh, Lewandowski scores. And then I think this is the decisive like moment of the game. Holland coming off. Yeah, and he came off with a minor injury too in the 60th minute. My guess it's probably in preparation for today's Champions League match. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I I think Dortmund's run in the league is obviously over right now. It they're is. they're in sixth place with 39 points. Bayern's at the top with 55. It, it's probably over. So their their sights are definitely on the Champions League and specifically getting as far as they can and maybe hoping that they can win uh so they advance again to the champions league uh next year so to have a fit holland for a very close game against sevilla was definitely um more important than keeping him on just as a statement yeah and like obviously it's a very big game but you also have to have the bigger picture in mind because i saw what i thought like what i think was like an image of what was going on and i was like i've literally like still practice and play it through stuff like that like that is not the reason you would take somebody off in a game that's this big but then obviously Leon Goretzka scores there was a bit of a complaint by Marco Royce that he was still giving up that there was a foul uh, the German association already came out and said stop complaining <laughs> we've already seen the clip like 50,000 times there's nothing just shut up uh, but Leon Goretzka who else you know the man the myth the legend the love of my life uh, scores <laughs> and then right off right immediately after this is like a minute or two right after that Lewandowski seals a hat trick and yeah Bayern still top of the table two points above RB Leipzig and I think they faced them off in two or three weeks if I'm not mistaken so that's going to be a huge game usually this would be the decisive game in the league but the game against Leipzig is going to be huge but yeah. we'll see what happens yeah. But, yeah, speaking of Dortmund, we're still in Dortmund. We are so. still in Dortmund. But this time, for the Champions League, as we previously foreshadowed. So, Dortmund 
faced off against Sevilla today. Dortmund were up 3-2 on aggregate coming into this game. So Sevilla really needed to, to come through. And who else advanced but Borussia Dortmund thanks to who else but Erling Haaland. JP, you want to take this away? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's he just scores for fun. I mean, I have him on my, on my uh, UEFA Champions League fantasy team. There's a reason why I have him because he's going to score. And also for fun. Wait, he also scores for fun. He scores for fun, yes. I just realized those. Okay. Uh, Never mind, everybody. Please ignore that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he scores twice. He almost scored like three times. One of his goals got disallowed. So the first goal. And his second goal was insane. The one that got disallowed. Oh, yeah. He just like what? The thing is, when you see Erling Holland, how tall is Erling Holland? He's like pretty. That's a good question. <laughs> Pretty tall, not gonna lie. Let me, all right, let's see what we can find here. Uh, he's six four. Jeez. So six four translates to something in meters, but I'm not good at uh, learning these things. It's almost like two meters, one ninety three. Uh, this man is almost two meters tall. Huge. He just glides around the field for some reason. I don't know he's how he so, does it. He's so fast. But yeah, he scores twice. I think the biggest, biggest thing was the second, like his penalty, because he takes the penalty, and then Bono saves it. And now uh, what apparently happens is Bono goes and like taunts him. They replay the penalty for some reason. I, we missed the penalty because we were watching both games at the same time. And then he scores. <laughs> and he goes up to Bono. And what he said is he didn't understand what Bono yelled at him, so he just yelled the same thing back. He had no idea what he was saying. He was just, like, going back at him, which is hilarious. And then Sevilla almost mounted the count, like the comeback, but just couldn't yeah. get it done. Yeah, and, and Nestri scored twice. Uh, he scored in the 68th minute on a penalty and in the 96th minute. They, they really tried to mount a comeback. And, and they did well. I mean, the game ended 2-2, uh, 5-4 on aggregate. It, it looked towards the end of the game like Sevilla was going to make a comeback. But, you know, fortunately for Dortmund, they did enough in the end. And it was just a brilliant game of football. Um, very entertaining. Whenever a Highland plays, it's just so entertaining. I think we should just rename this show like the Highland show. We, we just love him so much. <laughs> it's really impossible to hate him. It's not the golden boot anymore. It's Holland's boot. It's Holland's boot. Uh, no, but also, El Nesri's goals were... The penalty is... Beautiful. Like, that's brave. Just put yeah. it off the crossbar down the middle. Yeah, and then the second goal is a great header, but uh, I think just Dortmund's, like, first leg was enough to... I mean, obviously it was enough. Yeah. But, you know, coming out right off the bat in the first game just basically sealed it for this. But, so, the other game, Juventus against Porto... Juventus coming in, losing 2-1, but that Chiesa away goal, you know, yeah. giving them that sort of little bit of, like, hope that we can get this done. Yeah, and who else shows up big for this game but Federico Chiesa? Exactly. You thought we were going to say Cristiano. No. Uh, no. He, he was kind of... He, he, just, he didn't really seem like he was there. Like, he didn't really make his presence known. He was on the ball, but when he was on the ball, he just looked frustrated. He couldn't really do what he wanted to do with it. But uh, Chiesa, I'll tell you what, he could do whatever he wanted with the ball today. And, I mean, Cristiano, um, 
He had an assist on one of Kiesa's goals. Yeah. And honestly, it's not like the situation we were talking about the other uh, the other week about you know Messi's game against PSG. You could tell that he wanted. He looked frustrated. He looked like he was in the game. He just, you know, at it wasn't like really happening for him. Yeah. Like it's not for a lack of effort. It was just like he couldn't get stuff done. And that, it is frustrating for anybody, but yeah, it happens to everyone. Yeah, and obviously, but I think just Federico Chiesa, just what a game he had. Okay. Unlucky for him at the end of the day because the away goals reported like a three-two. The away goals is what's going to carry them over. Yeah, and I think that's always like you're always at a disadvantage <laughs> in that situation in which you're playing your second game at home. At home. Yeah, because you can't like mount that, so it's always going to be a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, but. but- such an exciting game, nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, so Chiesa scored the 49th minute and the, and the 63rd minute. Uh, Sergio Oliveira scored in the 19th minute, a penalty for Porto. So Juve were up 2-1. Uh, and then it ended up... Oh, wait. And then uh, Medi uh, Taremi scored in the 54th minute. So it was 2-2 on aggregate. So it goes to extra time. And... Oliveira scores again in the 115th minute, and then <laughs> Rabio, for some reason, was I like, agree. "Okay, never mind. I'm gonna tie this again in the 117th minute." I mean, it was just a nail biter. It it was a really really entertaining game, but one of the other things that made it entertaining, yet frustrating, the officiating was downright horrific. It was disgusting. I'm not gonna say despicable because I don't think it was despicable, but it was very 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 hard to watch the officiating it seemed like everything that should have been a foul wasn't and everything that wasn't a foul was called a foul yeah and it wasn't even like oh it's unfair against juve or it's unfair against porto it was just bad yeah like that's what the commentators were saying like the only thing everybody on the field is agreeing right now is whatever the calls are being made they're just the wrong calls and even like let's be honest Sergio Oliveira's second goal that that was cheeky. That that takes like a self like a amount of self confidence that I don't know I'll ever have. He was pretty <laughs> far away from goal. He just like blasted it down the, like under the wall. I think Cristiano was the it hits Cristiano. I think when he's trying to like block it. Yeah. But you know that's why you ha- you have to have Douglas Costa behind your wall just laying there to stop yeah, it. Yeah, but, but if we're but, if we're gonna talk about the free kick, his goal in the first place. So Weston McKinney gets megged, and then he turns around to try to start defending him and win the ball back, and he doesn't even touch him, and they call a free kick. So it shouldn't have been a free kick in the first place, and I'm not defending Juve um, or, or Porto. Like I'm not, I'm not being biased at all here. It just shouldn't have been a free kick. And, but, and then that wall was just absolutely terrible. Cristiano had his back turned the wrong way, sticking one leg out. They weren't close together. One person was up, the other person had their um, body turned around the opposite direction. It just wasn't wasn't good. Yeah, no, it was it was a disaster. I think, I mean, in the first half it was very boring, but I think in, the game was pretty good. The officiating was horrible. Yeah, but I think both teams came out did their best. I mean, nothing. Obviously, not the best game for Cristiano, but obviously, I wouldn't blame him for. You know, it's a little bit different than the Messi situation. Barcelona usually like the entirety of Barcelona like surrounds Messi. Yeah. So if Messi is like uh, having a bad day, everybody does like poorly. Yeah. Here was like 
obviously Cristiano wasn't having a good day. He was frustrated, and you could see it in his mm-hmm. face during the game. But the rest of the team was trying to do something. Yeah, K- so, Kiesa stepped up. Yeah, I mean, we should just call it Kiesa and Holland. Imagine that. Imagine that combination for a second. <laughs> but yeah, so let's go back to Sevilla a little bit because I think that as much as we're talking about Barcelona, Barcelona kind of showing like early in the week in the Copa del Rey semifinal that there is a little bit of a fight into the. There is a little bit of. Like still that some team spirit, some passion in it. They were down two zero in the first leg against Sevilla, and they turn it around and win three zero the second leg. They win three two to go into the Copa del Rey final. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, once again tell everybody that I was right. <laughs> but who scored the winner? Who did? I'll let you say it. Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> Again, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that everybody laughed. Everybody was like, you're doing this as a joke, which may or may not have been true. <laughs> but regardless of anything, I had his jersey. And that like person at the Barcelona store who said, wow to me when I said I want Martin Braithwaite, I demand an apology. <laughs> I am demanding it now. And I don't know what I'm going to have to do to find him, but I will show him and be like, hey, remember that day? I hope he just, like, goes to sleep every day. He's like, I remember when I said, oh, wow. And now you're like, he's scoring game winners to, like, send you into the Copa del Rey. You might have started a revolution. The first person to buy Martin Braithwaite jerseys, and now everyone's buying Braithwaite jerseys. I'm pretty sure he found that out, and he got inspired. I'm just saying that, even though we didn't get to see him outside the stadium. But... (laughs) Yeah, so congrats to Barca for that. And also, congrats on your new club president. It's fantastic. That is true. Barca's back, baby. Uh, Laporta back for his second term as Barcelona president. Uh, any thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I mean, it it is difficult. I think he's obviously had a good run as president with Barcelona before. Fantastic. Yeah, he was in, like, the prime years of Barcelona. And... My only issue is Laporta campaign on a promise that he is not able to like go through with. And I'm not saying it's not gonna happen. He like he promised he would convince Messi to stay. Yeah. At the end of the day, the decision is Messi, it's not his. So I feel like this could be going down I'm not saying it's gonna go downhill, because honestly, worst case scenario, Messi leaves. Mm-hmm. I think Laporta is like smart enough to maintain the club and take it in the direction that... Yeah, it's what he did yeah. the first time. Because when he gained control of Barcelona in 2003, they were in a very similar situation. Turmoil. Yeah. Literally turmoil, shambles on and off the field. Yeah, but and I think like right now we have... like This is the only thing that I say could work against him is that he's banking a lot on Messi staying and him being able to convince Messi to stay. If he doesn't, even if, like, you know, we all know he has, and obviously it is not up to us, it's the people, the members of the club who vote for this. Yeah. Uh, but if, let's say, he fails to go through with the messy situation, then he is on, like, thin ice, and he has to make sure the club is advancing in a better, like, towards a better place. Because if he doesn't get that immediately, then he is, like, in trouble. But obviously I think 
as well, you also have to take into account after Bartomeu, I think Barca fans are willing to forgive some things as long as you mm-hmm. don't do the financial and like complete disaster Bartomeu did. Yeah, and try to like stab all of your players in the back. <laughs> stab all your players in the back while you spend millions on Philippe Coutinho, send him on loan to Bayern, and then have to pay Liverpool five million more. Yeah, but anywho, staying in Spain. Uh, traveling a little west now to Madrid. Oh, yeah, it is west. I was trying to do... My geography was wrong. For some reason, I thought west was east. I can be smart sometimes. It's west. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, you were smart. I, I just forgot which side was which. It happens a lot. Not going to lie. Anywho, uh, the Madrid derby ended 1-1. Atletico versus Real. Uh, Benzema scored the tying goal. With three minutes left. It was just, it's so upsetting because I would have loved to see Luis Suarez score the only goal of that game. It would have been fantastic. I would have loved to uh, just see Real Madrid lose. Just kidding. I just want to see Atletico Madrid go further on. Because right now, they're in a position, if they win their game at hand, they're six points above Barcelona. Just six points. When I keep insisting, like, Atletico had the chance to go, like, 11 or 15 points clear like City had and now they could just go 6 points clear as of now now I'm not saying that Barcelona and Real Madrid I'm gonna overtake them if like Simeone really like digs himself in and I think they've consistently had issues playing against Real Madrid even when Real Madrid are in terrible form yeah. Atletico finds a way to just like choke in the last second and like give it up but it is frustrating to see that, and I mean, if you look at the stats, had it not been for that last, like, late goal, because it was like in the 88th minute by Benzema, this would have been a quintessential Simeone game. Yeah, they had 39% of possession <laughs> and five shots on target, and honestly, that's what you see from Simeone. Usually, he'll just like lock in and just, you know, as I said, you get one early goal. And then you just lock in for the rest of the game and just see what happens. Kind of like Mourinho. Yeah, but Simeone's is funnier. Yeah, it is funnier. Because you just know what's happening. Yeah, because with Mourinho... <laughs> There's no way to stop sometimes it. Sometimes it's a little bit frustrating because you're like, you know, maybe he tries to play out. Maybe he tries something <clears throat> new. Simeone's just like, no. <laughs> now this happens. <laughs> Everyone buys into it. Six at the back. So, and, and that's also <laughs> the thing. Nobody is, like, against it. Everybody's like, okay, let's do it. I know. But, yeah, it's it's a tough game, but, you know, title race in Spain, still on. Yep. Title race in England, still on, probably. That's right. <laughs> I actually got confused. I was going to say <laughs> Germany, but sure, let's let's leave that out. And then title race in Italy, France, Germany, still on. Title races all over the place are still on. Mm-hmm. And speaking about titles, this man's won a few in his day. Joachim Löw, the manager of the German national team, is going to be stepping down from his position following the Euros this summer. What a career he has had as Germany's coach. It's, I mean, he started when? He was 2004? Yeah. He started 2004 to 2006 as the the assistant head coach under Jürgen Klinsmann. Yeah, Klinsmann, yeah. He got, what was that, third place? Third place medal? Yep. Was Germany in 2006? Yes. And after that, I mean, obviously, you know, 
I'll never forget Schweinsteiger's two goals against Portugal uh, that yeah. year. But, I mean, obviously they have the second place in uh, 2008 for the European, uh, the UEFA Champions, the European Championship. I always, for some reason, whenever I try to say uh, European Championship, I... The Champions League comes out. Yeah. The it happens to the League. best of us, man. Uh, but no, he has one confederation title, one third place in a World Cup, one World Cup. Let's not forget, you know, the biggest of those. Incredible, man. And yeah, even saying, like, a third place in a World Cup, that's still huge. That is huge. And, you know, confederations, all that, but obviously the crowning achievements, 2014. He has had an incredible career, and he has had a, a good core squad for most of it mm-hmm. and even you know from 2006 to right now there's been a lot of changes oh yeah but there's always been like consistency with a decent group of players the only year that really really he'd like to like scratch off 2018 2018 yeah uh, but what can you do when Chucky Lozano goes down the wing and scores against you nothing um, <laughs> but now realistically obviously 2018 was hard usually it happens to to a lot games yeah. we've seen it with Spain we've seen it in Italy 2006 I'll say Brazil you're saying Brazil got to the quarterfinal it's still with the squad the Brazil had they should have won it all instead of just mm-hmm. finishing there but it is an incredible career towards the end of obviously when he refused to call Mueller and then Mueller had the season of his life Yeah, he refused to call some players just out of like his own preference and not really paying attention to what they were doing. Yeah. So there's a lot of like issues with him, but I think when you look back at it, this is the man who took Germany to another World Cup and really did bring them back to the top of like world yeah. football for a while. Yeah. And the core yeah. and everything is still there, so I think that legacy is going to last. Yeah. But I think it's also good that he's announcing it since right now. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't come like as a as a surprise, well, Yugi, we will definitely miss your title winning and your nose picking. Yeah, yeah, I I was waiting for you to make that call, <laughs> and I mean right now, you know, we just have to see who gets who gets that position, because there's a lot of debate. Some people, you know, two of the biggest profile ones. Obviously, nobody. I don't think Hansi Flick would want to take that position. He has been. Yeah, was he, wasn't he, he previously an assistant? He was the assistant, yeah. so I don't know if you want to be the head coach of it, but he was the assistant in 2014. Uh, let's not forget, Hansi Flick also has a World Cup trophy. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but obviously some of the people that there has been talk about, Julian Nilesman is one, but I don't think Nilesman will no. do it at the age he is at. I don't think he's still experienced enough to be a national team coach. Yeah, and... I mean, he's really, really young. Yeah, I think if anyone who you want to manage Germany, you have to bring in someone who's experienced. So that's why I would I would give the job to Hansi Flick. Yeah, and that is... My my issue is Hansi Flick has never been a head coach except for Bayern. Yeah, I mean, but he's proved what he can do there. Yeah, and like he is usually like an assistant role. And so obviously... I think for him it was more like he was the assistant he was a caretaker coach and all of a sudden you know Byron just hit gold with him but it's also like you have to see if he wants to do it the other person in the conversation has been Jurgen Klopp and that one's a little bit more interesting because there is 
the point that you can make that Klopp's time at Liverpool has to come to, towards an end just because the system he plays in. Yeah. Like, you saw it, like, we saw it in Dortmund and Mainz. Mainz not as much because he didn't spend as much time there as he did in Dortmund, but Dortmund, you know, were decent for a few years with him, and all of a sudden they just skyrocketed to success. Yep. And then the burnout came, and then they dropped, and... That's what you're seeing with Liverpool. Exactly. So maybe it is time to accept As much as he has done for Liverpool, maybe it is time to move on. And obviously take a break for a few, Mm -hmm. like, for a few months, maybe a year. And then, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of teams. Yeah. That would be open, but I think maybe a temp with a national team wouldn't be the worst thing. If you have the chance to manage your national team... I think any coach takes it. Yeah. And if that comes Jurgen Klopp's way, I think he has to. Yeah. And, like, I think it would be, it would be interesting because he is the kind of coach, you know, to coach a club team more than a national team just by his own style. And Yeah. But also, like, you can do what, like, basically what Lowe did. Yeah. Like, you have this core of players. And obviously you're going to find a few others and like throughout the years, this guy might have a great season. Maybe this guy has a worse season. Who knows? But you can like develop those players. Yeah. And I think that is something that Jurgen Klopp does well. And I think it would look interesting in a national like stage where it's not like every day, every day, every day. It's basically in a you know perfect scenario. You get the success and like the workload like in... Um, the consistency that club can have in the best of times without the burnout phase. Yeah. Because you really can't have that burnout phase like in a national team. No, because a national team, you don't meet that often to play together. So you have to be at your A game all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but long story short, we still don't know who the next manager is. So if you're any, if there are any Germans listening right now, feel free to submit your application. Maybe you'll be the next manager of Die Mannschaft. And if you do get the job, please give us an interview. But yes, yeah. yes, yes. Please join the Gold Boot Podcast. Say so you listened here. Um, yeah, we can interview you. You know, it'd be great. It'd be, be lots of fun. Lots of fun. And uh, not at all more beneficial for us. But <laughs> but anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I can't believe it's been 17 episodes. It already. has been a while. Not gonna lie. It really has. But thank you guys for all your support out there. Um, And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back next week with some more exciting content. I've been Chris Williams. And I'm JB Rios. Have a good one, guys. Take care.